2: Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall.
3: This is A Different Perspective, and I am in fact Kevin Randall. I'll be joined with my guest in just a moment wanted to make a couple of comments. You'll look By listening to the program, you'll learn that I'm not talking to Don Schmidt today. We uh, got caught up in the activities of the UFO field, and I have asked Stephen Bassett to join me again, even though he was on just a couple of weeks ago. We're gonna talk about unidentified and some of those things. So we're delaying the uh, interview with Don Schmidt for uh, just a week. Also, I just wanted to mention this Area 51 attack nonsense, and remind anybody who's listening, that the use of deadly force is authorized. Um, I think it's more of a joke than actual attempt to breach the perimeter of Area 51. But uh, it's just one of those dumb ideas that I think uh, makes us all look bad, makes the whole UFO community look bad, because it looks like that's the kind of nonsense we embrace. So I thought I would just mention that. As I said, I'm going to be joined here by Stephen Bassett, and I'm not going to read his massively long introduction again, other than to say he is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, and his website is www.paradigmresearchgroup.org, and as you all know, he's been on lots and lots of programs, he's done lots and lots of uh, television, and he has um, been one of the driving forces behind the idea of disclosure, so we'll get into all of that. In just a second, Stephen Bassett, welcome once again to A Different Perspective.
4: Hi, Kevin. It's great to be with you as always.
3: You know, it's fun talking to you, so I really don't mind having you on so frequently.
4: <laughs> well, uh, I, I prefer that my uh, host uh, have fun talking to me. I think that's uh, that's an ideal outcome.
3: Well, I, I'm kind of making fun of that because I have, you know, like 52 shows I do a year and I try to Spread the guess out, but uh, things have gotten in the way, and I think you're the guy to talk to about some of this.
4: Sure, no, there's a lot happening, and it's it's going to it's intensifying. It's going to continue to intensify,
3: moving closer to disclosure.
4: Yes, um, though it's difficult to to completely chart the future path, we are moving along that path, and I think we have gotten closer. But it's complicated. It's not like just running a A simple race where every step takes you one closer to the finish line.
3: Is the uh, Area 51 nonsense that I mentioned earlier, is that having any negative impact uh, that you can see?
4: No, no, that's that's not going to have negative impact. I I have a different take on that. Um, Let's look at it from a bigger picture perspective. Uh, The interest in this phenomena has been growing for 70 years. If, if you mean if growing means the total number of people that are aware of it uh, in one, uh, to one degree or another uh, aware of an ET concept extraterrestrial idea and all of that the, the numbers are huge now hundreds of millions if not a billion two billion people. So the awareness is great. The truth embargo is in its 70 roughly 70 second year and that is I meaning it's put a it kept a lid on the public's interest trying to contain it. So it's natural that as we start to get closer to taking that lid off, the uh, level of interest and excitement and energy is going to grow. So this little joke, and that's what it was, uh, give the guy credit, uh, he came up with a cool idea. Actually, I thought of this years ago, but it wasn't a mass march. I thought about what if we got 100 people to drive to Vegas and we went out, say, around two in the afternoon and we just 100 cars just in a line and just drove right through the gate. But of course, I did not promote that. Um, so he's come up with this idea of, but it, it, what, what has happened, what we've seen is the number of people that have signed up for it, think of it as a petition. This is the number of people willing to actually sign up for something like this, uh, knowing they're not going to go, but to make a statement that they're aware of Area 51, they're aware of the issues surrounding it, they're tired of being lied to by the government, they're tired of being treated by children. And so they're making a little statement there. Uh, so I look at it as a petition and a reflection of the level of interest. Now, I have p- put out a Facebook post, I think, where I say that it would be a very bad idea for anybody to show up, particularly in the middle of the night, right, <laughs> 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., and enter the base. Uh, or I or do attempt, think- to
3: attempt to enter the base.
4: Or attempt to enter the Well, actually, you can get the way they have it set up. You can get past the into the actual area because they don't have it's, there's no wall down there. But uh, then you're met by the camo boys. But the point is, is that uh, it would be a bad idea. But I have a hunch some people are going to show up.
3: Let me inter- let me interrupt right here because you mentioned camo boys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm afraid the audience may not know that you're referring to the security guards on the base. The, yeah, they yeah. dress in camouflage and we call them camo boys.
4: That's right. And uh, their job is to keep people from getting in the base. So I think some people will show up. They'll have a little party uh, outside the area uh and maybe do a little barbecue hopefully the inside guys will not make a big deal out of that and they won't uh, get get heavy-handed and they'll keep their distance uh but that's what i think will happen now let me make it clear if for some reason and we talking about a million plus people have signed up if even five thousand people decided that was a good idea and they went out there and they tried to enter the base that would be a very big mistake and it would, if anything awful comes from that, um, it would definitely be a uh, a problem for the disclosure process and the disclosure activist movement. Because, and one thing for sure, any violence would just be absolutely unacceptable. One of the most significant things about the disclosure movement, the effort to get the truth out on this, which goes all the way back to the '40s, believe it or not, is that, is to my knowledge, not a single act of violence has ever been. Uh, uh, conducted by somebody on this side. In other words, somebody that's, uh, the civilians pr- pr- pressing to get information from the government. It has been an absolutely nonviolent uh, movement, though it's been slow and taken a long time. Uh, I don't want that to change on the 20th.
3: I think our political atmosphere today, I mean, all of it is just reeking of violence and everybody has yeah. just gone nuts. We, we've lost our civility. And, and if the 5,000 people showed up and it was a peaceful uh, rally, a nice barbecue, and the Camel Boys didn't go nuts, and everybody went yeah. home and went on the—that would, would be the best outcome, I think.
4: Also, notice how much the news covered it. The, the yes. has been a lot of articles of this. So again, the, pre- the press, by the way, has a lot more understanding of the ET reality and the truth embargo than people would know. Uh, uh, that understanding doesn't necessarily reflect in the way they decide to cover it or not. They're very and, what's
3: going on. And the on. Air Force, the Air Force, um, response, putting sure. out uh, statements as well is kind of interesting because normally they just ignore that sort of thing. But uh, let me,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's uh, a reflection of the times, but in terms of the violence you talk about, <clears throat> I was a young man, literally college during the, the beginning of the ramp up of the Vietnam War and, uh, um. Uh, there was an awful lot of violence back then. And in some ways it was a lot worse than now, uh, a lot worse than now, but we're more sensitive to violence now. We're more aware of it. We can report it very quickly. So we, we, it's not that we haven't been through times like this, but this is a this has its own unique characteristics, this era. And uh, these these things have to be addressed in an appropriate way. We'll see what happens.
3: The violence, would you say, tend to hinder some of the disclosure?
4: Absolutely. Uh, any violence on the part of the uh, and the part of people that are seeking the truth on this matter, the disclosure movement, you could call it, which, which we will include anybody that shows up at the area 51. They want the truth. They're part of the disclosure movement, whether they like it or not, any violence on their part would be, would, would, would break a near perfect track. essentially a perfect track record for 70 years. That would be a bad thing. And so let us hope that they're wise enough to uh, not let that happen, but there's no supervision here. Remember, this is a joke. Me and me and me and march me person gatherings and marches have been done before particularly in washington where such a march should take place if if, if people want to gather a million strong to protest the, the 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 truth embargo the place is the mall in washington dc
1: Save
4: Those things don't just happen spontaneously. There's a huge amount of organization, a great deal of money is spent in order to make them work. If a million people just showed up for something, I assure you, it would go very badly.
3: And they'd probably run out of food and gas. And
4: porta-potties.
3: <laughs> and porta-potties, yes. The, the essential uh, part of a protest, the porta-potties.
4: Exactly. The most essential, frankly.
3: Yes, absolutely. Because everything could, well, never mind. We won't go there. Yeah, we don't need to go there. Yeah, we don't need to go there. Uh, I am joined by Stephen Bassett. He of the Paradigm Research Group, org. We'll be back in a moment. I would advise you all to take a look at com because as we get into the next segment and start talking about the program Unidentified, especially Episode 6. Uh, There's a lot that has been written about that uh, by Stephen, by Rich Reynolds, and others that was not favorable to that last episode. And I'll link some of that and bring some of that forward uh, on the blog so it'll help you get a better idea of, I guess, everything that's going on in relation to that program. Uh, Also, uh, take a look at Roswell in the 21st Century. And I mentioned that simply because I was just down in Roswell and uh, I got some interesting feedback on that book, and I thought it was. actually kind of interesting and kind of nice some of the people said about the book and they enjoyed the attempt to put the roswell case in its proper perspective uh, and which is what we do on a different perspective so i will be back right after this with stephen batsett and we will talk about unidentified so stick around
5: Yeah.
1: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told
4: me. com.
5: Exactly.
1: Are you guys psychic too? Of course.
5: We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com
3: I am joined by Stephen Bassett, he of the Paradigm Research Organization, a group dedicated to full disclosure of what the government holds in the way of UFOs and that sort of thing. We were talking a little bit about the attack on Area 51, which is probably a joke and probably not a lot of people will show up, but maybe some will. But the reason I wanted to have Steve on the show again was he had caught me a little bit by surprise. Uh, I was in Roswell, so I didn't get to see the um, final episode of Unidentified. But I understood from colleagues and friends that it wasn't maybe the best episode, and it was a little bit uh, off the rails. And Stephen, you had uh, posted something not long after it that suggested you weren't really thrilled with it either. Can you give me a little bit of detail on that?
4: Mm. This is a little complicated, so you're going to have to bear with me on this. Um, let me preface uh, my comments about the To the Stars Academy as circa that episode. In other words, the the entire I guess you'd say history of it leading up to that episode. Um, uh, over a lot of it's, it's in, 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 the, in the modern era, let's go back. We'll stay within the internet era uh, where the World Wide Web was functional. The internet was up. Uh, there have been a number of things which have turned up in the news, turned up uh, in the public domain that were extremely disturbing uh, dealing with stuff the government's up to and what's going on. And by and large, uh, there was there was almost no engagement by the public and very little coverage, not that much coverage by the media. I can give you two classic examples of this uh, right around the turn of the century, right in the 2000 period, I came remember the exact dates. There was a story that emerged regarding the Echelon program. The Echelon program was a spy satellite system that was being operated by a number of countries. And what what was learned was that the UK and the United States were swapping data because it was illegal to use that system to spy on their own people. And so what was going on is the UK was spying on us and then giving it to us. And then we were spying on them and in the UK and giving it to the UK people. And this is so this revealed uh, for the first time, really, the extent of the satellite surveillance they had sucking up virtually every phone call in the world and so forth. Uh, and of course, the violation of the law. Well, what, it got some coverage.
3: Let me, let me interrupt here because there was something called Project Shamrock, I think, where uh, the international telegraph or, or telephone services were being monitored by the government as well, but this goes back before the internet. Is that just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. an outgrowth of that? But no, I don't
4: know if it's an outgrowth, but this idea of increased surveillance and so forth this has, been a, this has been a thread that we've been dealing with and looking at and responding to. Now, I'm just referring to this one instance that occurred definitely at a time when we had the internet, there was very, there was no engagement by the public, there was very little coverage, and then it just disappeared, right? Uh, it emerged, the concept emerged again with the Snowden, uh, release, the document dump, which did create quite a bit of news and some engagement by the public, including a documentary and other things. So that that was a little bit more of an engagement. And here's another example, around the same time, could have been just after the 2000 or maybe before 1999, an article turned up in The Washington Post mentioning that the Air Force was doing research on antimatter weapons. And I commented on this at the time, wrote some stuff out. Um, Not, they didn't have that much people paying attention to what I was doing. And what can I say? There was virtually no coverage, no follow up. uh, And the public didn't engage it. There was no, no reaction, really, even though the implications were staggering, absolutely staggering. The vast majority of people have no idea what antimatter is or the implications of antimatter. But those who do, and I'm sure that includes a lot of journalists in Washington, know that antimatter would be the absolute ultimate weapon, the most powerful weapon that humans could possibly create for the simple reason that if you can uh, isolate uh, antimatter particles so that you can keep them apart from any standard matter particles, find some way to do that, which would be the core of that research. And thus, at some point, whatever the containment is, and you, and this, this was, a, this was in the movie, um, uh, a, 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 um, the Angels and Demons, whatever, one of the, the movies by Brown, Brown's books. Uh, and then that containment is is broken, and that antimatter comes together with uh, regular matter. The entire matter is is uh, both sides is converted to energy. An antimatter bomb the size of, say, Little Boy would have blown up probably all of Japan and a good chunk of China. And so they're doing that research, no big deal. Now, let's bring it forward. The ET engagement by the national security state, I mean, the disclosure um, maneuver by the national security state, which has come to be known to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, is a major deal with huge implications. Um, But in this case, the public has had 70 years of subsequent awareness. Tens upon uh, scores of 1000s of articles have been written in that time, documentaries, movies, books, you name it, the public has been heavily educated on this subject, a significant portion of the public, and of course, the journalism as well. And so when this event took place, and I I assume they may have known this. uh, But when they made that maneuver and triggered what we're now seeing over the last two years, they had to know that the level of scrutiny on this particular event was going to be massive
3: when you say this particular event you mean the release of the videotapes through the no. navy or no. the the, the, whole, the whole
4: the announcement and the launch of the to the stars academy okay program right the revealing of the fact that people that people within the pentagon made a decision to create an outside group made up of people not working directly under government anymore, but with substantial government background, security clearances, substantial resumes, and gravitas, to form an entity that was going to publicly state it was seeking to find out the truth about this matter, investigate various avenues of it, even look into anti-gravitic drive, all of this, right? Uh, That is the event. Everything that's happened since, including the New York Times articles, the release of gun camera footage, the release of the ATIP program, and all of that, and of course the series, Unidentified, uh, put together with uh, by by uh, film that was taken throughout a long period of time as cameras followed these guys around. Uh, all of this stems from that event, and th- this is this is disclosure stuff. This is definitely disclosure stuff, and so what they I hope knew from the beginning was that what they were doing was going to receive an, a degree of scrutiny that would be surpass almost anything else uh, of a similar type. So while the public did not engage and completely forgot about the fact the Air Force is is researching antimatter weapons, the ET issue is another matter. And so everything that these gentlemen do, every statement they make, every piece of evidence they reveal, every strategy they pursue is going to be scrutinized, not by thousands of people, not by millions of people, but by hundreds of millions of people. And so, and that's, that's the way it is. Is that fair? I think it is. And is it warranted? Absolutely. When you s- see the implications of this. So from the beginning, uh, I have supported the TTS, uh, AAS uh, uh, and everything that it's doing. To, the, to it's, the
3: Stars Academy.
4: the To the Stars Academy and everything it's doing, the strategies, the revealing of the programs, the, the, the news coverage, all of that. Been very strongly supportive, while others have not been. Uh, I have read the, the, the critiques of it and so forth and found them to be not particularly su- substantive. So, good thing, but I stated early on that if it started to get into a place or go somewhere that I had great concern about, that I was going to hold back and I was going to talk about it. And the one thing, not surprisingly, that was on my mind and the mind of a lot of other people following this was. What, how, how are the ETs going to be cast in this effort? Now, we learned early on that well, the
3: idea— wait. Of, by, by cast, you mean how they're re- represented, how they're portrayed? Not how,
4: how, they, how, how they are portrayed, what their intentions are, how we're viewing them, and so forth, uh, which is the, the, the essence of all of this. Disclosure is about acknowledging the extraterrestrial presence. This is all about extraterrestrials and, of course, the, the engagement of, by us, by them, and how we're going to engage them, I and mean, that, that's what it's all about. The rest is details. Now, very early on, the threat concept emerged, and I was not surprised about that. Uh, the fact that they ended up calling the program at the Pentagon, that started in 2007 and in 2012, that Luis Elizondo ran for most of that time, uh, they, they called it the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, was certainly not surprising. Uh, if you're going to, if, if the Pentagon going to create a program to satisfy uh, a powerful politician's desires, which in this case was Senator Harry Reid, the House Majority Leader, they're not going to call it the, the Extraterrestrial Welcoming Board. It's going to have to be cast in a way that is not going to upset others in the Pentagon that want to know what the hell is going on here. So it's, and, and and technically, technically, the ETs are always a potential threat. They could have called it the Advanced Aerospace Potential Threat Identification Program. So that, that was understood. So we noted that. And then- we watch to see how things are going to go and by and large uh, in terms of interviews with elizondo particularly elizondo the idea of threat was to minimize it wasn't too too much then the unidentified uh, series begins which was important because the unidentified series on history channel is going to reach a lot of people a lot of new new people and it was going to solidify and put into a, a package what these gentlemen are up to and uh, where they're going. So it was very powerful, very important. And it's going to be replayed and replayed and replayed many, many times, I assure you. Uh, let, me, let, me you
3: the- let me stop you here because yeah. we're going to have to take a quick break, uh, as we always do around this time. Uh, it, I'm with Stephen Bassett. His uh, group is the Paradigm Research Group Dot org For uh, more information on that look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and when we come back, we're going to find out what um, was in episode 6 that was so disturbing what uh, kind of uh, Suggested they may have slipped off the rails in their programming and look at uh, some of the other aspects of uh, Disclosure. I'll be here with Stephen Bassett in just a moment. So hang around. I am here with Stephen Bassett. We're talking disclosure. We're talking unidentified, the program on the History Channel. And Stephen had gotten us to the point where the, I guess the unidentified program was um, an important uh, way of uh, telling lots of people about what has been going on in the UFO field, especially in the last 10 years. And we're moving toward episode six. So. Uh, pick up where you left yeah. off, Stephen. Uh, I don't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we had to do it.
4: No, interruption, you got, you got, you got, to, you got to get commercial, you got to pay the bills. Look, um, so a, a lot of people were going to be watching the Unidentified series with great, great interest. And of course, I'm watching it from my perspective. And what I saw was that the threat concept, the threat meme, slowly increased with each episode. The reference to ETs as a a threat, not a potential threat, virtually never. I don't know if they ever used the phrase potential threat slowly increased. But in the early episodes, which were very good, um, uh, it was it was it was okay. But nevertheless, it continued to be there. And then episode six turned up. And that was that was the disturbing. uh, I guess you could say it was a a a watermark moment. It was a, a milestone in a sense. Um what they did in episode six and and this may have been just a mistake it may have just been they had an idea they pursued it and it was probably a big mistake but they went ahead and narrated it anyway is that they went all across the pacific i mean they went all the way across the atlantic uh, to italy and met with some researchers there who had their own thinking about the et reality but the focus clearly of this meeting was fundamentally an incident involving a helicopter, which the researchers there claimed was disabled and forced to land uh, by an ET craft. Uh, this story is is not strong. The evidence for it is not significant. And the explanations for what happened to that helicopter and the rotor that ultimately forced them to land could easily be, be associated by a, the, that rotor going through a flock of birds. It's extremely thin. And when you when you put that in context with the Nimitz event, the Nimitz case, which has profound evidence, uh, extraordinary high tech evidence, as well as pilots coming forward, it's even more ridiculous. But it got worse because in the interchange, the Italians are bringing up other things. One of the things they brought up was a mysterious uh, group of a set of fires that occurred in 2004, 2005 and 2014 in an Italian vi- village called Caneto di Caronia uh, that some researchers out there and some people involved in ET issue uh, decided was being generated by beams being sent into that village from uh, some kind of ET base or from the ocean offshore.
3: So they're, uh, suggesting, they're suggesting that the alien creatures, the alien beings are setting fires in Italy? Exactly,
4: in in this particular village. Uh, now, in 2015, a man, his name, they don't have it, and his son, but the father primarily, was arrested. Uh, they had put up cameras when the, and the fires turned up again in 2014. Uh, they had 40 instances where this man and his son were out Trying to set these fires, and the guy was arrested. He was charged with a number of crimes, and he was convicted. I don't know about the son. Um, I found this on the internet in ten minutes. So this, this was, and, and, and more importantly, they did not, they did not challenge these statements. They did not challenge these issues online. And, and then the entire show had a dark, ominous tone to it. Every aspect of it was designed to give you a sense that wow, ETs are a threat. They're taking down an aircraft. They took down a helicopter. And, 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 and what's so ridiculous is that in the show itself, Luis Elizondo actually stated that he, in his entire time working on this issue at the Pentagon, had never heard of an instance where an ET craft had, quote, taken down an airplane or forced it to land or done anything to an airplane while well, he was there. Of course, we know about times that ETs have, 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 how would you say, turned off the electrical systems of planes that were threatening them, The Iran case is very well known, Uh, and then the plane would recover after it had fallen a bit. But in terms of directly damaging these planes, no. And yet, they're sitting there just listening to this with great intensity. This was a huge mistake, and I had to address it. And the point is, is this, if in fact this threat theme continues and escalates, then we have a serious problem on our hands because there is there, there, there that it will support possibly even justifiably support one of the concerns that a number of people in the field have is that there is an, a a significant ulterior agenda by the military intelligence complex to finally make the decision to promote the threat of extraterrestrials to the public to the journalists, and to the politicians and as a result justify massive military expenditures in order to defend ourselves against these invading ets hundreds of billions of dollars if not more and that would be a really colossal mistake but it gets worse because at the time that this show aired my sources had confirmed to me that the well they 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 confirmed additional information to me on top of what I already knew, which was that for the last year or so, members of the Two of the Stars Academy have been meeting on the Hill with, with, with members of Congress, including committee chairs, high level. The pilots have been taken up there and talking to them. So they are essentially lobbying the Congress, I'm sure, regarding potential hearings, which I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. But they've been doing that. We don't know what they're bringing up in those meetings because that is not discussed if it were discussed then the meetings would not be private and that would generate a lot of political problems for the people involved but they're keeping the lid on it okay however i also learned that a briefing was given to the executive that the pilots were present who else if anybody else in the to the stars team was there we don't i don't know but donald trump was there and so that confirmed to me that that this, this this meme is very likely this threat meme may have been presented to the president at some point then you factor in the space force and you put it all in a put a bow on it and the potential here is extremely uh concerning and so i put out the statement part one of the ttsa's uh, uh switch or the, the trend in the ttsa's p- progress here with a heavy threat emphasis um, and invited everybody to scrutinize again what they're doing and watch very carefully. Now, I'm about to put out a second article, which I could have done before, but I didn't. And this article is going to focus on Tom DeLong.
3: Oh, oh Tom DeLong.
4: That's right. And let me be clear, let me restate again. I have been very supportive of the TTSA, TTSAAS, I'm sorry. Uh, and everything that it has been doing. And I've been supportive of Tom DeLong. Um, he's an unusual guy to be in the position he's in. However, uh, I understand how that happened. And I think he'd he, he, he done some wonderful things. And he, he is a spokesperson to the general public. It's all good. I've been very supportive of him. However, I was aware of comments that Tom had made in the lead up to the To The Stars Academy announcement on October 11th. He'd given some interviews. Uh, And then afterwards gave some interviews. Now, Tom is not, he's not an advanced educated guy. He he has a high school degree that he barely got uh, because he just didn't, he's a, you know, very, you know, he's very, uh, how would you say it, ADDH kind of person and and doesn't sit still and and, uh, studying in school was not a strong suit. But oddly enough, he turned into an autodidact after he left school. And started studying and reading about those things that interested him, plus business, which allowed him to create numerous businesses and be very successful rock bands, sold 30 million records and other projects. Uh, so he's a highly accomplished adult, but he is not a highly trained, highly educated individual like the members of the To The Stars Academy, who not only have the education, they have the word skills and they have the discipline that comes with those kinds of jobs. And so it it didn't surprise me that Tom was a little, uh, how would you say, I don't know what's the word, careless maybe, but just a little expansive when when talking about things, a little excited. But because of the, 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 the trend in the Unidentified series and the episode six, I decided I needed to address those earlier comments. Now there have been compilations of Tom's statements Particularly, some of the early ones that have that have been done on the net, and I will <clears throat> I can give you a sense of some of these right now, some of these earlier quotes, um, and again it, it, the context is limited. I can't give you full context. These these interviews are available. I will have links to them when I put out my statement uh, to my list and and the blog. Uh, but just to give you a taste, referring to World War Two, World War Two on it has been described this is Tom's quote uh, by some working in the alphabet soup agencies to me in the last decades that World War I was an E.T. war executed through humans I, I do know that. Oh, now, you said
3: World War One or World War II? World War One. Okay.
4: Um, now I, I, one minute I think he's actually referring to both. He start, It's it, Again, it, the, 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 the grammar is a little off, but it's World War II on. It has been described by some working the alphabet agencies to me in the last decades that World War I was an E.T. war executed through humans. Now, again, let me, let me also add some context here. It's very important.
3: Well, let's add the context in just a moment here because we're going to okay. have to take our final break. Don't have any choice there. I'm here with Stephen Bassett. He of the Paradigm Research Group, and you can find it at www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. My blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And when Steve gets his uh, Tom DeLong article up, I'll link to it as well on my um, blog so that you can read all of this stuff for yourself because I think it's important when you're studying this is not just look for confirming data, but look at all sides of it so you can make an intelligent decision of exactly what was going on. So we will be back with the final segment in just a moment talking about uh, the last episode of Unidentified. So stick around.
2: The new book by L.A. Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzulli.com. Dot net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net.
5: You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. tomorrow's TV today. SimulTV. TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have SimulTV TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today.
3: Stephen Bassett is with me here on A Different Perspective. We're talking about, uh, basically the To the Stars Academy and, um, the last episode of Unidentified and some of the problems that arose in that and some of the problems that uh, some of the things that Tom DeLong had said, for example, the World War One was basically an E.T. war fought, fought by, I guess, human analogs, uh, that sort of thing. So, Stephen, that's where we left off. Uh, run with it.
4: Yeah, let, let me preface. I'm, I'm going to give you some more quotes, but let me preface uh, this. It's very important. Tom DeLong first talked about this upcoming program without naming it. Uh, This was on March 27th, 2016, uh, on a four-hour interview with George Knapp, which, again, I'll have a link to that. You can also find it simply by Googling for it. Uh, And in that interview, he he, he made it clear that he had been drawn into a collaboration with members inside the Pentagon, CIA and others, high-level people, to create something. And it was going to be a sort of a multimedia thing. There are going to be books involved and, and what have you. And he had been meeting with them. And one of the most important statements he meant, made was that uh, the Pentagon at Italy literally set up a 10-person person advisory team to give him information that would eventually be released as part of this program. I mean, this is heavy stuff. Obviously, a limited number of people saw this interview. It didn't get a lot of exposure. It didn't get media coverage. But I heard it, and it was very significant to me. So he's getting information from this advisory team. And so when I read these quotes, understand that there is every reason to think that these quotes are based upon the information he was being provided by these individuals inside the Pentagon and CIA and other agencies. Um, and that's important. It's possible that some of this is Tom's own views that he's developed by reading books, and he's read tons of them, including a book by uh, a gentleman, a.k.a. William Brad- Bramley, Um called the gods of Eden, because a lot of this comes right out of the gods of Eden. All right. So with that in mind, let me start with some of these quotes. The first one it: World War Two World War Two on. It has been described by some working in the alphabet soup agencies to me in the last decades that World War One was an E.T. war executed through humans. I do know that. I do know. Another quote. The alien presence is an existential risk, meaning life is not guaranteed for humans. And an extinction event could be triggered by unfriendly aliens to deliberately wipe out homo sapiens sapiens. So now it is crucial time for humanity to learn that we are not alone in this universe and that friendly and unfriendly others have been interacting with this planet for millions of years. Okay. Um, Let me go back down here. Uh, All right.
3: Well, couldn't you say? I mean, they're talking about a threat, but uh, even if we just go back to the beginning of the modern era of nineteen forty-seven, there's been seventy-two years going on there, and the threat really hasn't developed. Isn't that? Aren't they kind of overstating a case here?
4: Uh, look, I, I don't, I don't want to debate. to Be honest with you, the, the, uh, the, the issue per se. We don't have the time. Um, Threat versus non-threat. This is something that we're gonna have to assess and come to get a handle on. Um, I'm simply pointing out that this kind of thinking, these kinds of ideas may very well have been imparted to him by individuals setting this program up inside the government, right? Um, And so they may reflect this internal um, thinking, which wouldn't surprise a lot of people But now we're in an open disclosure process involving former members of the military intelligence complex. Um, Let me go with this one. There's a very, very strong link between what people think demons are from the Bible and other religions and the UFO phenomenon. What you have is something that doesn't like man and either feels jealous of or has some kind of plan for whom man is to be. That just makes it much much worse when you think about it. Now, this is this is pretty dire language. I think we can agree. Um, let me see if I can. There's another one here. I wanted to for the technology. See how the secret is uncovered. All right, there. There, I, I will be you know providing a lot more extensive quotes. But there are a number of quotes that essentially are saying that. ETs have manipulated humans. They've created wars between humans and so forth. Now, let's talk about Ancient Aliens for a second. Ancient Aliens is this show, which is in its 14th season, has gone to extraordinary lengths to try to examine the history of potential ET contact going back thousands of years. And it has raised a huge amount of questions. And as you go back in time, there is evidence that can't be totally dismissed that ETs were not so nice. And that is possible. So the idea of ETs not being nice uh, in the ancient past is cannot be dismissed. And if they weren't nice, then they may not be nice now. So I I don't want to act like I'm not I'm not some utopian Pollyannish guy who, who thinks that the ETs are all wonderful. No, but this is 2019, not 4,000 B.C. And the ETs that are engaging us now, we know a great deal about. And so we have to we have to be really careful. That the current presence is cast properly and that it is properly presented to the American people, and there is no effort to manipulate the truth that we do know about these ETs uh, into a a, a classic human modality which is war as politics by other means we can't go there if we do it's disastrous and just a couple of reasons why that is true one and and one of one of the witnesses I think it was um um, Daniel Day uh, Mr. Day who was one on the Princeton actually said this in one of the episodes if the ETs are really a true threat, we, have, we haven't got a chance, I'm paraphrasing, which is true. If the ETs are an absolute accidental threat, we have no chance. And now, people can argue that all day long, fine. But if you understand physics, and you understand the technology level of the human race right now, we would have absolutely no chance whatsoever.
3: Well, I think science fiction writers have explored this a number of times, saying that if you're an ET invader, all you have to do is stand back and throw rocks at the Earth. You don't even have exactly. to have weapons.
4: Uh, you know, you, there's so many ways they can destroy us without even breaking a sweat. And so, we uh, are—if we are, are intact—if we are not facing an extraterrestrial threat, it would—it could only be because an alliance of extraterrestrials, and there are a number of groups engaging us right now, has the power. To protect us from the Borg, uh, the ultimate threatening race of cyborgs in Star Trek. Um, and so that just gives you a glimpse of the, the level of significance all of this has. Um,
3: but your your it, argument, your argument was that the last episode of Unidentified moved us into this from some sort of a potential threat into a, a, a very real threat. Is that- By, what by
4: going is? by going to the extreme, to go all the way to Italy, in order to, to bring, bring to us through the History Channel, this ridiculous episode involving a helicopter, uh, for those of us who understand the history of this issue and know the history of the issue, to the general public, it would have been, wow. To us, it's like, are you kidding? This is ridiculous. This is an insult to our intelligence. So, that they would make that mistake concerns me, but it may have just been a mistake. They just didn't think it through, but they, st- they not, but they, they, went, and then they had another decision to make was whether to put it on air. Now, maybe History Channel was there. I don't know that uh, made that decision, but clearly it was the most concerning thing that has happened in the entire two years of the, 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 the To the Stars Academy has been with us, and it invites extraordinary scrutiny, which includes going back and reviewing Tom DeLong's comments in these earlier interviews. And I'm only touching the surface here. There have been a lot. Now, it's also, I have to add, that information has come to my attention. Somebody has scrutinized a recent filing by the To the Stars Academy. This is a financial filing that seems to indicate some board changes are in the works. And that Tom may very well soon be replaced by another CEO. And what his role would be after that, I don't know. This would be a logical transition. We'll see. That's not intended as a criticism. And in fact, it could be or nor a negative thing necessarily, but change is underway, which I fully expected. Uh, So again, this massive program, this extraordinary program deserves the complete attention of everybody with a computer. Because nothing has probably other than a nuclear war, nothing has potentially greater impact on our future in this planet and in in our country. Than the outcome of this initiative, and disclosure.
3: Well, we're going to have to leave it right there, Steve. Yeah, and and, and it's a good way, place to wrap up. I think. Uh, let me thank you for taking time again to uh, talk to us about this sort of thing, and probably as the uh, situation develops, we'll probably have you back to uh, fill us in a little bit more. Um, you can take a look at his. Uh, website, which is www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. I'll have more information at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Stephen, thank you very much.
4: As always, Kevin, and I'm sure I'll be back soon because the developments are happening very quickly.
3: Okay. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And once again, uh, next week, I will be talking with Don Schmidt. We're going to be talking about things Roswellian. Uh, Following up that, I'll have Alejandro Rojas on the program, again, talking about these sorts of activities that uh, Steve and I just talked about. And finally, I'll have Kathleen Martin talking about the Barney and Betty Hill case. Uh, Her perspective of it as the niece of Betty Hill and some of the things that uh, have developed recently in abduction research, which are sort of interesting as well. I will have uh, further notes on this, as I say, at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And if you have a chance, take a look at... uh, the XZBN, the XZoneBroadcastNetwork.net, and there's some fine programs dealing with the paranormal, so you can find things that will be interesting to you there. I will be back in 167 hours with Don Schmidt, so take a look for us at that time. Thank you. And the
2: Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxonradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net.